Hi, welcome to Teach Learn Pima. This is your host, Dr. Mace Imad, and with me here today is Dr. Guadalupe Lozano, who is an Associate Research Professor of Mathematics and the Director of the Center for University Education Scholarship at the University of Arizona. Guada, thank you so much for making the time to meet with me and to talk about math and education. Absolutely. Happy to do it. So um, I got to tell you, every time I read your writings or I speak with you about math or about education, I, I fall in love with learning and I, want, and I catch myself thinking, I want to take a class with her. And so, um, and, and what, what is so obvious in your writings and in your, in your, um, speeches is, is this, is this love of investigation and this love of knowledge and, and the art piece. And so, um, I keep going back and forth she's an artist, she's a mathematician, and it's almost, it's, 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 you humanize math. And so I'm wondering if you could just take a few moments to talk with us about your journey to math and your, um, you, and math education. Sure. That's a sort of a big question, but, um, I think in, in some respects what you are describing as maybe a, or seeing me as an artist, as a, and as a mathematician, I never necessarily thought about that, but my love for mathematics was not, uh, didn't come about early on and it came from stumbling upon other things after I had done a lot of mathematics in high school and moving to other fields that I thought I didn't know anything about. Uh, and then coming back to mathematics um, after exploring economics and accounting and other things. But I think that uh, sort of uh, deviation in the journey speaks to um, the fact that I've always been enamored to towards learning, mm-hmm. um, embracing that which I don't yet know. And I think this is my perspective in general. When I teach or when I think of mathematics or when I think of my work, what is there that I do know? What is there that I don't yet know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, this uh, sort of relates to perspectives or approaches connected to what it means to think critically, what it means to essentialize key aspects that are not, um, that are bigger than the everyday happenings, either in mathematics or in our work, uh, and so on. And that's probably part of how I approach my teaching. And I think part of the, the work that I do too has to do with not just noticing those things, but actually sort of being able to describe them in words and then making them explicit to students. Mm-hmm. So if we are, uh, you know, one of the things I, I always write in my syllabi is that uh, mathematics is a way of thinking. And I always say, you know, some of my math colleagues might not necessarily agree with that in that they might argue mathematics is more than a way of thinking. 
But in a way, what I want my students to remember and people to understand that, yes, I mean, mathematics is sort of, as you pointed out earlier today, a playground that enables us Mm -hmm. the possibility to think. And in that context, it might be about mathematics. But if we're purposeful about thinking metacognitively, we are now thinking in this playground. And the playground becomes you know, something in the background. And Mm -hmm. the thinking that we do there Mm -hmm. has the possibility of evolving and growing into other spaces that we might choose to impact or that we might be able to impact on our own. Thank you. I, I, so I I have so many questions. So I love this, this imagery of mathematics being a a playground that enables what you call in your article, the legacy is the critical thinking. First of all, so I'm wondering if you could talk about um, how then can can we view math as a as a tool to empower students to become autonomous, to become um, independent, to become productive, um, responsible members of society. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I've been thinking, I've been thinking about this quite a bit, and we just discussed it uh, a little while ago with you, um, because sometimes when we talk about mathematics and critical thinking, the perspective is only some students can do that. Mm-hmm. So critical thinking is possible in mathematical contexts where students are extremely able with the mathematics to mm-hmm. engage in the critical thinking. Um, and um, I think um, there is not complete truth to that. And it's a, it's a matter of the perspective. And like I've been describing to you a little bit uh, in working with students recently at a community college uh, in order to help them better prepare or, you know, streamline the transfer process to uh, a university, we focused on really um, giving access to critical thinking opportunities. And students picked this up and spoke themselves Mm -hmm. about them feeling empowered Mm -hmm. to try things out Mm -hmm. that they never considered before in Mm -hmm. a math class. So I would argue that both the top students, uh, those who have uh, mathematical disposition or interest Mm -hmm. or ability, whatever we want to call it, might benefit certainly from critical thinking. we got to be purposeful with all students because it doesn't automatically happen. The idea that mathematics is something um, that is a tool to improve different contexts in the world, different realities, is not typically what we um, confer as a message in mathematics classes, yet it's what really makes mathematics important out there. Mm-hmm. If you can't apply it outside your class, if you can't recognize it for what it is outside your class, then how is it useful? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it hasn't taught you how to think critically, yeah. then how is it useful right, outside right, that yeah. class? Yeah. So the legacy needs to be somewhere, and um, the students that know and have the ability can really import this knowledge into other fields and recognize math as a tool and as an asset in other spaces. 
but also the students that might not um, immediately find interest or facility in mathematics can all of the sudden turn the thing on its head because all of us want to feel empowered Mm -hmm. in something that is part of who we are. And mathematics can provide that possibility because thinking of, um, you know, mathematics as a segue into critical thinking and thinking of critical thinking as an empowering mechanism, something that awakens our mind to ourselves, is is quite a powerful perspective. And I don't think one that is very common when we talk about mathematics because we tend to think about content and skill development and we don't tend to think about it as something that can open a door, being Mm -hmm. an enabler for much bigger things. Yeah. So yeah. so I certainly think that it's a good perspective to keep in mind, especially in days where we, you know, um, try to counteract deficits perspectives about lots of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always try to um, remind ourselves that we should think about assets, but perhaps being purposeful about what does it mean to think about assets, I think this is an example. Thinking right. of critical thinking as a mechanism from for enabling uh, empowerment mm-hmm. um, is is an asset perspective yeah. In, yeah. in mathematics, even for those who would traditionally um, would be seen as struggling yes. in, in this learning. So in 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 speaking with you and in your writings and you mentioned right now in your in your syllabi, you there is this this theme of holding possibilities or, 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 or facing discomfort, um, embracing the unknown. So, so one of the things I've been, I've been um, talking about with, with some of my students and some of my colleagues is this notion of ambiguities or, and, and how in science we teach science as, um, as a monolith. And in a way, as, as we sterilize knowledge of any, any ambiguities. Um, and and I, I, would, I would suspect, or I would, yeah, I would suspect that, that math perhaps is also taught this way. And yet you emphasize again and again this role of, of the, the embracing the unknown and holding possibilities and, and holding place of discomfort. So I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. Well, um, yeah, I mean, one idea that comes immediately to mind is something that um, I was asked recently in another context, and um, the question had to do with math not ever changing, which is a version of math having, holding no ambiguities. If, if, I mean, at least the math that we already know uh, there's the math that we don't know and people are discovering, which I'm sure is, um, you know, holds a lot of ambiguities just because we don't have the knowledge. But in in that context, you know, the value of mathematics um, really lies in it being a tool um, today for the realities of today, for the contexts that are relevant today for the people of today, for the world of today. And the world of today is not the world that we used to have 
you know, 20 years ago or 100 years ago or however many years ago we want to go back when we think about math being as old as we can remember. And, and in that sense, there's a lot of ambiguities because if you're figuring out or problem solving, uh, and this is an aspect of, of critical thinking or, 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 or sort of an idea that has a lot of intersectionality with critical thinking, um, we're problem solving about something that is not decontextualized, right? We're problem solving about something that is in context. Yeah. Uh, might be related to equity, might be related to climate, might be related to um, aging, might be related to uh, food security, might be related to water, might be related to whatever it is. Yeah. And in those contexts, um, mathematics can come itself as a tool or the critical thinking we may have learned in while learning mathematics can come itself as a, as a tool and there's a lot of ambiguities in figuring out how is this a tool how does this fit how do i apply this is this relevant is this not relevant what other intersectionalities do i need uh, to bring into this picture in order to make progress in finding out or exploring or discovering something of value mm -hmm. um, in, in whatever sphere we are, you know, trying to tackle. Yeah. So, so in a way, math is not, doesn't happen in isolation. Um, it never has, but the, when, the way we teach it, it sort of holds its own bubble, but in itself, that bubble doesn't hold any value. Yeah. <laughs> it's what yeah. we do outside that context and mm -hmm. in contexts that hold a lot of um, ambiguities and uncertainty. And mm -hmm. I think having, um, having a disposition to understanding that allows us the possibility of being able to offer much more valuable and robust perspectives mm -hmm. um, that allow uh, the possibility for gray zones or things that we don't yet know, um, which are quite important in this day and age. Yeah. yeah. And I, so, and I, am I hearing you also say, you talk about today, um, that really math is also, it is for today, and it's also for a future that, that, I mean, we're often told we're preparing students for jobs that are not going to exist or going to be obsolete. And am I hearing you say that math and having the math, that those, those precious and, and uh, fundamental tools that then intersects with critical thinking and also prepare them for that future. Well, it's interesting because in, in, in the article, I think you quoted the one where I use uh, math is the playground and critical thinking is the legacy. legacy yeah. I, I referenced there um, somebody, one of the professors I, I heard talk when during a few summers where I taught at Harvard at the Kennedy School there. And one of the things he told the students is what I also tell um, students and teachers today. We, the value of the information that you're getting in any specific context, a math class, or in his case was that particular year he was referring to for the students at the Kennedy School, is going to be obsolete. Information becomes obsolete pretty quickly. But the value of information is provides, you know, what I call the playground for training you in disruptive problem solving. You will never necessarily problem solve 
quite in the same way that you problem solve at any particular time. Yeah. And the resources and the information that you will have at your fingertips will change. And that's quite changing quite rapidly in all contexts today. Mm-hmm. But if you engage in the critical thinking game, in the problem solving, if you practice it enough, just like a sport, right? If you play basketball or whatever else, it's never the same game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? But you can develop an ability that no matter how it's called for, yeah. uh, delivers in yeah. different contexts. And so problem solving and critical thinking are a little bit like that. We learn to engage in this kind of thinking. We, let, we learn to conceptualize. And we don't have to force these concepts on new information. Mm-hmm. But we develop an ability that then we can leverage mm-hmm. in new contexts. And that's really what, we, what the legacy is. Yeah. If we can sort of enable students to think disruptively in any context, no mm-hmm. matter what the information is. Disruptive is a word that's overused today. But, right, right. you know, in an, it, just to think creatively, yeah. that's, another, that's another word. Um, then that's, and, and if that's empower, based or grounded on empowerment, so mm-hmm. we want to, not only we can do it, but we want to do it, and we find value in it, then then we're really well set up for lots oh, of things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is, this is great. So this just, I mean, I can, I can keep talking, and I, I know you have, you, have a, you have a time commitment. And um, how do your students respond to this when you talk about disruptive problem solving and embracing the unknown? And it's, and it's I mean, it's inviting them to, to really, you know, to be okay with ambiguities. And, and it, I'm wondering how they respond to it. So I don't think I have ever quite talked exactly in the way I'm talking with you, uh, with my students. Uh, but I think this is certainly my philosophy and my approach. And so there's other ways in which this percolates. But one of the very specific contexts in which I have uh, sort of... Um, some of this permeates to my students is when they come and ask, um, you know, if I, it's a standard question, I think that we all get, you know, will I be okay for the test? Hmm. If I um, complete this list of problems or if I do this uh, mock um, exam that you just posted online mm-hmm. and I anticipate this question now and what I tell them uh, throughout you say a semester course is you will ask me this question and I can tell you today the answer is going to be that is the wrong question to ask uh-huh. because if you are really wanting to become a problem solver and that is what I'm going to test you on I'm going to tell I'm going to test you on the math of this course but I'm also going to test your problem-solving ability because that's going to stay with you no matter what you choose to do. And you should really choose to do, uh, if you're lucky and have the privilege to do so, something you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be mathematics and it doesn't have to be science. But do it right and do it well right. and love it. Yeah. You can import this, this ability to think anew in every context there. So I'm going to test you in that. And in order, because I'm going to test you in that, you can't rely on any previous list of problems that I have given you mm-hmm. to assess your readiness mm-hmm. to think anew in mm-hmm. a context that you haven't seen before. Yeah. I'm going to give you a problem that you haven't seen before. Yes. That's guaranteed. 
So it envelop an understanding of what that is, and then ask yourself. It's a little bit of a paradigm change for them. Yeah. You know, but ask yourself, what do I have to do? How would I feel ready if I get problems that I've never seen before every right. time I get an exam? Yeah. And the answer is. You need to do lots of problems, mm -hmm. and they don't have to be all hard or all easy. But here are some things that will not be useful. If you start a problem and say, it's too easy, I'm not going to finish it. Finish it. Yes. Write it out. Yeah. Does it call for an explanation? And it's an explanation you think you know? Write it out. Yeah. Is it harder? Well, do the best that you can. Don't look at the solution. Don't come back. Come back to it later. Tackle another problem. Whether it's easy, whether it's hard, whether you think you know, it's not part of, you know, you shouldn't be dismissive about that. Mm -hmm. Just tackle it, embrace it, practice, engage in the problem solving. If, it's, if problem solving is like riding a bicycle, ride the bicycle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The next path is not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. But the more you ride, the more you can do. Yeah. So tackle problems. Um, finish them, treat them with respect, treat yourself with respect, follow through in whatever problem you have. And then all of a sudden, you will get to this sense, hopefully more and more, of like, yeah, the next problem will be okay. Yeah. I can do something with it. Yeah. And that's the right perspective. Yeah. Wow, there's, this, is, this is wonderful. And there's so much to unpack, this respect, respecting the problem, respecting yourself. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, to the listeners, I hope you, you, um, you can see how we're moving from this philosophical and poetic to more practical approaches to how you train students in a way to, to sit with the unknown and to embrace it and to get to a place where, where um, there, there are answers. So um, I'm so grateful for this time and for the tools that you've shared with with me and with our listeners. And um, I, I guess one last question. If, you, um, if you're working with a group of, of, of faculty who are just starting to teach, um, what would be um, maybe three advice that you would, you would give them? Um, so that's, uh, that's interesting because a lot of this idea, you know, transferring the sense of being comfortable with discomfort to students, even if one is very specific, for example, in the context of problem takes time and it requires that we ourselves are comfortable with discomfort, right? And yeah, as teachers, yeah. we are able to sort of uh, develop a, a lesson or a classroom environment when we ourselves are comfortable with not knowing exactly what's going to come next mm -hmm. from a student or what exactly we're going to do. So the idea of not scripting is quite fundamental to this, but you know, you have to be ready not to script. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, transformative things have their time and we all go through an evolution that starts small and we might not be able to deploy all these things at once I certainly the first time I taught you know I felt very comfortable with knowing exactly what I was going to say and and transferring a very different message but I think it's always useful like we were talking earlier to keep in mind where you want to be 
So mm-hmm. even if you just started teaching, if the idea of um, teaching more than the mathematics and really empowering students towards critical thinking and problem solving appeals to you, yeah. then envis- keep your eye there. Keep your eye in that place where you want to go mm-hmm. and where you want to bring your students to. And then, um, you know, plan your actions based on that place where you want to go. Small is fine. Start small. Um, Try something specific. Be open to the students about what you want to do. Be self-reflective about whether you did it or not. Don't ask Mm. yourself too much. If things don't quite go how you anticipated, then... Scale back, learn, stay calm. Um, I always, I tell, I have two children that are 11 and 13, and I always tell them as they find themselves in places of excitement or struggle that it's good to remember three things. First, uh, keep calm. No matter what you've tried, no matter how things are going, um, then focus everything towards a productive perspective. So as you need to adjust or troubleshoot a lesson or something that has gone no, how, what you anticipated, try to introspect into what is it that you can do and how to build on your assets and the students. Mm-hmm. And then if that doesn't quite work, the, the third step is be kind. Mm. <laughs> and this has to do with being kind to ourselves. If we're students, you know, it's a little bit tied to treating problems with respect and ourselves with respect. And the same with where we're faculty, you know, like um, it doesn't mean just anything goes, but it just means it's just to recover the perspective of calm and productivity and focus on uh, a transformation that you want to see in yourselves or in your students. So this is not very methodical, but I think those, I think is a perspective that is useful to keep. Those are wonderful. Yeah. Well, Guada, thank you so much for your time and your insights and scholarship. And I feel very privileged to sit here and have this just um, amazing conversation um, with you. And I know our listeners are going to be really um, grateful as well. And so to our listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of Teach, Learn, Pima. And stay tuned for our um, next series. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure.